Welcome to Circle 3 Cowboy Fellowship's podcast. We are patriots, unafraid and unashamed to speak the truth and spread the gospel. Today's message is from Gary Lear. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. So we'll go ahead and get into the message here. You know, here a while back I heard a story uh, here at this church. I believe it was Richard the Black told the story. And it went something kind of like this. There was a an old cowboy that was sitting out on a fence. And uh, on one side of the fence, there were millions upon millions of people just kind of waiting around, just there. On the other side of the fence, there were millions upon millions of people on that side of the fence, too. So pretty soon, here comes the devil with several of his helpers, demons, whatever you want to call them, evil spirits. Anyhow, the devil and his group comes along, and, and all the people on said this side over here, the left side, he rounds them all up, they herd them all up, and off to hell they go. It wasn't very long, and the cowboy's sitting there, and he turns around, and here comes Jesus with all of his heavenly hosts. And all the people who are on this side are whisked away with them to have eternity in heaven. And there sat the cowboy on the fence, looking around, not a soul to be seen. Pretty soon, here comes the devil again. The devil comes up and tells the cowboy, he says, you know, you got to go with me. The cowboy says, no, you wait a minute here, devil. He said, I wasn't over there in your group of people. I've been sitting on this fence the whole time. The devil says, yeah, but I own the fence. Think about that for a minute. The devil owns the fence. I believe in absolute truth. No gray area when it comes to truth. Truth is truth, isn't it? The truth is, it took three tries to get this going this morning. That is an absolute truth. Didn't take four, took three. The truth is, if you have 10 head of cattle out in that arena, there is no amount of new math that's going to change the fact if you add five the total will be 15. New math can't change it. I don't care how many of you want to argue that 5 plus 10 is 12. The absolute truth is if you have 5 and you add 10, you're going to end up with 15. That's truth, folks. And I believe in the Word of God as being the absolute truth. The Word of God is the absolute truth. Well, how do we know this? Well, We've got a few scriptures, more than a few, but I'm just going to share a few. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 8, 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then in John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. So the word of God is truth. God is truth. We know that to be for certain because his word tells us that it is, but history reveals that it is. By his word, it reveals that he is truth. Back in Genesis, like we talked last week, 
we found the first messianic prophecy that the devil the devil's head the serpent's head was going to get crushed by the descendant of woman that came to pass because the word of god is truth jesus told his disciples when they were asking him about the ends of the age and he says look at all this around you referring to the temple and the temple yards he says not one stone will be left on top of another and we know that to be truth because about 70 years later the romans came in and destroyed jerusalem and not one stone was left on top of the other from the temple and it remains that way today the times are changing that temple it's already been in the process of being rebuilt not on site but in, from what i understand in precast measures you know we're building Right now, my wife and I are building a home that we're moving up to a property that we have in Cedar Ridge, and we're building it right down there at our sawmill, and it's going to come apart in pieces and be moved. And I understand that the temple is going to be a little bit like that. When they finally get to go ahead to build the temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which, by the way, President Trump has moved them much closer to getting done by announcing that Jerusalem is the capital and that the United States recognizes that. But by moving in that direction... When it's time to build the temple, that thing's going to go up and it'll go up pretty quick. But Jesus said that it would not be one stone left on another, and that came true. As a matter of fact, all of the prophecy in the Bible that has already come true has come true exactly like God said it would. Because God is true. Let's establish that much. God is true. And what is the devil? He's the opposite of God. He is the Antichrist. What's the opposite of truth? Deception. Right? Was it not the serpent or the devil who deceived Eve in the garden? Tricked her into bringing sin into this world with her help of her husband? Matter of fact, he's the one that brought it in. They say she was deceived. He did it. He just stood there like a big old idiot and did what she told him. Most of us guys do that. <laughs> if you don't, well, there will be a different kind of hell to pay. <laughs> My wife decided that I was getting awfully shaggy, so she took the hair clippers to me this morning. I wasn't going to argue, but she did a pretty good job. I'm pretty easy to get a haircut to because I really don't care what my hair looks like under a hat anyway. So we know that if God is truth, the devil is anti-truth or deception. What's in between? Where's the gray area? Who's the gray area? There is no gray area. The gray area belongs to the devil. See, he owns the fence. That's the gray area. That's the in-between truth and deception. The down the middle part, that's the devil's ground too. We need to realize that. There was an ancient philosopher, and if I can get this name right, Protagoras, I believe, was his name. And it says that Protagoras also believed to have created a major controversy during ancient times through his statement that a man's measure, a man is the measure of all things. I've heard that saying, didn't know where it came from. I remember actually studying some philosophy in Bible college. It's been a while since I was there, but I do remember studying this back then. A man's Man is the measure of all things. Plato interpreted this, who was another philosopher. He interpreted this to demean 
that there is no absolute truth but that which individuals deem to be the truth. So what this Protagoras was saying is there is no absolute truth. Truth is relative. Relative meaning whatever you want it to be. So if there's 15 head of cattle out there in the arena, but in your little twisted mind you want to believe there's 30 head, then there's 30 head, according to this fellow. See, truth is not absolute according to his philosophy. Well, I ask you this. If there is no truth that's absolute, what's the Word of God talking about? What has God proven over the past 6,000 years now? If anything, he has proven that his word is truth. So I think this philosopher, Protagoras, is a little confused. I think maybe the devil and his deception has gotten to him. Of course, this guy's dead right now, and I can only presume where he might be right now. But the thing about this is, this seems to be a resurging problem in our society. That truth is no longer absolute. Just look at what our press corps does. The people in the media. Truth doesn't matter anymore. Truth to them is found in the court of public opinion. If they can twist the story around enough to convince us that it's truth, then it becomes truth. Well, that's wrong. Not only is it wrong, it's evil. Why is it evil? Because God is absolute truth, the devil is deception, and what they're doing is deception. Therefore, there is no gray area. There's either truth or non-truth. There is either good or evil. There is God and there is Satan. The Word of God tells me nothing about a third party. The only third party that it talks about is being lukewarm, and that's Satan. In other words, when you're sitting on the fence, you're not on God's side. You have to be on God's side. There is no in-between, folks. Grandpa used to tell me, and I know why he used to say this. He used to tell me, you can't straddle the fence. You ever tried to straddle the fence? It hurts. Those of us who were raised on a farm have straddled more than one fence, not by choice. You can't straddle the fence because the devil owns the fence. You have to be on God's side. Just like we read up here in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't follow the fence and get to God. It doesn't lead there. Only Jesus leads there. You have to be on his side. That's not me. That's not this church. That's not That's not me making this stuff up. That's what the word of God says, folks. It's just that plain and simple. So now we live in a time where truth is no longer absolute. It seems to be relevant in the eyes of many. This whole you can't straddle the fence idea that Grandpa came up with comes from this verse, and we're going to find that verse in Revelations chapter 3, verse 15 through 16, where Jesus says, and he's talking to the church of Laodicea, 
Now, there is a lot of people with a lot of ideas about what the book of Revelations all means. Revelation, excuse me, all means. And I am no expert. But one school of thought is that the seven churches that are mentioned in this book refer to seven different ages that mankind find themselves in. Laodicea, folks, is the last of the seven churches mentioned. So if that school of thought is correct, that means it's referring to those who are in the last age. That's us. So it's very possible that this warning could be going out to us today, those of us who are here. And it says in Romans chapter 3, 15 through 16, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, I neither and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. Other translations say, I will spew you from my mouth. Either way, because you're lukewarm, you're on the fence. You're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. You're sitting on that fence. Jesus isn't going to have you. You have to be hot for him. You have to be on his side. You cannot just try to split the middle and, and appease the people on this side and appease the people on that side because trying to appease both is not going to get you there, folks. You have to stand up for Jesus and be on Jesus' side according to his word. There are only two sides. The word of God only talks about two sides, not a third option. Folks, little fat Buddha is not a God. That's not a third option. Muhammad, not a God, not a third option. Money, not a God. You can't buy your way in. If you could, I'd be in big trouble. I don't have enough money to buy my way in. Not even close. There's only two sides. So how do you know which side is which? When we live in an age where there is so much deception, how do we know? How do we know what truth is? Folks, we find it in the Word of God. I have to evaluate things all the time. Decisions. I make a lot of decisions. Owning my own business, I have to make a lot of decisions. I have to make decisions in my own home. When it's time for bed, I have to evaluate. What kind of mood is Cindy in tonight? Are my chances of surviving the night good or bad? If I feel there's a chance she's going to smother me with my pillow tonight, I'll go sleep someplace else. See, we're constantly faced with choices, aren't we? By the way, I've never not slept in my own bed yet. But the day ain't over either. So, choices, we're constantly faced with them. So we have to look at the evidence. We have to look at what's out there. Look at the information that's being handed to us. Is this something that God would go along with? Or is it not? Gossip. Is gossip something that God goes along with? Or is it not? Well, if you read your Bible at all, you'll find out God's not a real fan of gossip. So we have to look at every situation. 
and say, is this something that God would go along with, or am I being fed a line of baloney? And I clean that up for you on TV. Or Facebook or whatever. So as we look at the world around us, and if we look at what's being fed to us today, we have to look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Is this going to please him or is it not? And if it is not, we don't buy into it. We don't accept it. Right? There's only two sides, folks. There's no, well, I'll buy part of it, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to reject this. I'm going to, you know, too many churches are doing that right now. Too many churches go through the Word of God, and when they come across Scripture that they don't like because it might offend somebody, well, we'll water it down or we'll just kind of tip, tiptoe around it. Folks, I'm fixing to forge right through the middle of it. There's no tiptoeing around it with me. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. And it says this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, but being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they knew neither, yet they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Boy, we see a lot of that happening right now, don't we? Our so-called experts look like a bunch of idiots right now, if you ask me. They became fools find my place. And in exchange the glory of immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. I think that might be referring to little fat Buddha. Therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the created things rather than the creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. But I've been told that God doesn't mention homo or that the Bible doesn't mention homosexuality. What did I just read? What did I just read? Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. 
They disobey their parents. They have no understanding of fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree and those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but I'll approve. Let me let's read this very carefully. I don't hate anyone because of their, their, their beliefs. I don't hate anyone because of their depravity. I don't hate anyone because of their politics. I don't hate anyone. As a matter of fact, I would rather have a church full of lost souls than a church full of self-righteous. Because our mission is lost souls. People who already know Jesus, we need you here too. To help us with the lost souls. Because we're all called to the same ministry. Every one of us is. But we're dealing, folks, with a world where there is a battle going on. And that battle is between the only two forces that we know, good and evil. I want to share just a little bit of information that I stumbled across. This came from Johns Hopkins Hospital, Research Hospital, and it's some statistics. COVID-19, approximately 161,262 deaths reported worldwide, 39,090 in the U.S. as of April 19, 2020. The flu, on the high end of their estimates, there is 646,000 deaths worldwide. On the low end, there's 291,000. Either way, the flu dwarfs the deaths caused by coronavirus. Dwarfs it on the worldwide stage. And here in the United States, on the low end of the scale, there's 12,000 a year. And on the upper end of the scale, there are 61,000 deaths from the coronavirus every year. Or, I'm sorry, from the flu every year. From the flu. Meaning the COVID-19 virus has come nowhere near causing the havoc on the lives of families that the flu does every single year. Every year. On top of the flu, from what I understand, in 2010, the season of, uh, or excuse me, yeah, 2009-2010, there were 61,000 deaths in the United States from the SARS virus. Did churches get shut down for the flu? Did churches get shut down for the SARS virus? Well, the argument has been, I've heard it on the news, the argument is, well, but yeah, but the coronavirus is much, much more deadly. It has about a, anywhere, well, they were starting out with a 3 and 4% kill rate, I think. Then they lowered it down to about 1% or even 0.6%. And they say that the flu has about a 0.01, if I'm not mistaken, kill rate. Well, then I heard a report just this week that says, truth is, we don't really know how many Americans have had the coronavirus because we've only just been tested for a few weeks. So if you factor in the estimates of probably who has had the coronavirus and survived it, that puts the coronavirus number down in that 0.01 range, about the same as the flu. So my question is this, 
Why did we use the coronavirus to close churches, to close the economy, and to strip away our constitutional rights when it has killed a fraction of the people that the flu does every year? And we won't even talk about how many alcohol kill, how many driving kill, but they've shut us down. I've closed the doors to the church, and I'm sorry I didn't. Because we gave them the power to do it. We gave them the power to do it. Jesus warns us of false prophets. Folks, we have been lied to. The numbers from Johns Hopkins do not support this worldwide pandemic that justifies shutting down all of our society the way they told us it was going to. We've been lied to. Now let's back up and let's look at something. Who is truth and who is deception? God didn't lie to us. Who is truth and who is deception? of the United States Constitution says this. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. I went to school in Missouri. Maybe some of you folks from home are watching today. And I remember in the 8th grade, I believe it was the 8th grade, we had to take a class on the United States government. And we had to be given a test that we had to pass to be eligible for high school graduation. And I remember that. I don't remember a lot that I learned in high school. But I remember my class on the United States Constitution. And I remember learning how a law is made. And it is made by Congress. I think it starts as a bill and works its way through. It is voted on and accepted. But nowhere do I ever remember saying that a governor or a president can unilaterally sign a piece of paper and make it a law. Nowhere did I remember hearing that there is any time where an emergency that is declared by our government gives them the right to strip us from this First Amendment right. And as I listened to some constitutional lawyers debate this last night, I think I'm right. I think I'm right. The church has always, always had to fight, haven't we? Look at our apostles martyred for simply holding church. They were imprisoned and they were beaten simply for holding church. We have people in foreign countries, China, by the way, where this virus came from, whether you want to admit it or not, the facts point in that direction. They kill people for holding church the way we hold church. North Korea, they kill people for doing this. The church has always suffered 
by evil people. But yet it has also always prevailed. Because here we are today, we're still talking about Jesus. We're still sharing Jesus, aren't we? This is the note that we've had posted on our door. It says, closed until further notice. God bless and thank you. I'm done. I'm done with it. In our board meeting, we announced that the church will be open on the first Sunday of May. And that is our plan. It's going to take us a little bit of time. We've got some more camera equipment coming in to get things up. But I'm going to tell you right now, that sign is gone. That door is unlocked. And I'm going to be here next week doing church. Make of it what you want to make of it. You won't be told to leave. It's our right. It's our God-given right. It's our constitutional right. But we're going to worship Jesus because that's what Jesus told us to do. Folks, I stand for Jesus. I don't stand for a political party. I don't stand for politicians. Of course, I have my opinions and my favorites, and I have those who I vote for. I'm not going to make this political. I stand for Jesus. And we are called to do that. So there's our sign. There's our church closer laying in the floor. We're going to continue to keep broadcasting, but we're also going to continue to start worshiping Jesus in this building again. So our official open date is May, the first Sunday in May, which is, somebody help me, the 3rd. But we've been here every week. I have spent more time in this building since we've been closed than I ever spent. As a matter of fact, I can't wait to get the doors open again so I can rest. But you won't be turned away anymore. We have got to start standing up for our Jesus, folks. And we cannot let evil, and it's really simple. Does God want churches closed or does Satan? want churches closed. And here's the hypocrisy, the whole dadgum mess. I could go right down the street and walk into the pot shop and it didn't get closed, did it? Did the alcohol, did they get closed? No. I work construction. I've been in Home Depot every day, sometimes two or three times a day with hundreds of other people. It didn't get closed. But the churches got closed where do you think that came from, folks? It came from people standing on which side of the fence? I don't need to tell you. You can figure that one out for yourself. We're done. We need to start standing for Jesus. We need to take on the hard topics, and we need to make a stand. We cannot dodge them. We cannot look at the scriptures and say, well, I don't like what that one says. I think I'm going to take a pass. Well, if you want to sit on the fence, you go right ahead. I'm not sitting on any fence. I'm on that side. Will you join me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the has come. Lord, we just lift up the prayer request of this church. Lord, we just pray that everything we do here at Circle 3, we do for your glory and none other. Lord, we stand with you. We lift you up today. never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to but you're not really sure how, please feel free to email us at circle3podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's circle, the number three, 
podcast at gmail.com. We would love to help you out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and click follow. That way you never miss a message. Cowboy churches are the fastest growing in the nation, so there's sure to be one near you if you'd like to try it out. Have a great day. See you next time.